John chapter 14, verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father shall send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. This was our text last Wednesday night. I'm going to continue talking about the school of the Spirit. God bless you. Please be seated. I'll do a little review tonight. Uh, through the years, you might remember me saying I don't like long reviews. Why should I come again if you're going to tell me the same thing you told me last week? But I do think it's important to review a little bit about the school of the Spirit. When the Lord filled you with His Spirit, He enrolled you in the school of the Spirit. You're born again of water and of the Spirit. And God began a growth process in you. It is important that we have new life after the new birth, that we don't get stuck in a protracted infancy and stay spiritual babies forever. But according to the Bible, even though we're in the middle of this process, God is doing his part. Growth, spiritual growth is not automatic, and it is not guaranteed. You can be a lazy student, and you can get stuck in infancy. In Hebrews chapter 5, and as you know, I won't display all of these many verses, but in Hebrews 5, the writer says, I have some things I really want to tell you, but you can't deal with it. You're not able to hear it. He said, you're, you're dull of hearing, and I can't show them to you or say them to you because it's going to go right over your head, basically, is what he tells them. And he says, for, for when the time, you've been in the church so long, that you really should be teaching other people the word of God, but you still have need that other people would teach you the first oracles, the ABCs, the beginning principles of the word of God. He said, you have need of milk and not meat. And then he explains what the difference between a spiritual baby is and a mature Christian is. He said, everyone that, is, that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But, but strong meat belongs to those who are of full age. And then he describes what full age is, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. They have grown up, and they don't have to have someone standing in the way, waving their hands. They don't have to have 92 rules. They have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. Intuitively, by the Spirit, they know right from wrong. And by the Word, they get right from wrong. So I just want to make this point that because we are in the school of the Spirit doesn't mean we pass K-4 or K-5 and that we're in our graduate school. It's really not a matter of time. Uh, time matters, but it is a matter of effort. And the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 3, you're so foolish, he said. You began in the Spirit. You think you're going to be made perfect by the flesh. You were filled with the Spirit, born of the Spirit. You got started in the Spirit. But now, he said, you've evidently quit walking in the Spirit. And they're actually going back under the Old Testament law, uh, trying to live by the law and not by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, this school is designed to make you like Jesus Christ. And the call to enroll, given by Jesus Christ, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
In the school of the spirit, while we have teachers, this is somewhat one-on-one instruction. It is Jesus Christ by the power of his spirit working in your life as you pray and engage in the word of God. The Lord specifically talks to you. Now, all of us need some of the same things uh, because we are all human beings. But there are certain things about you and certain things about me, just like children in a home. You may need a little extra dose of one thing, and I may need a little helping of something else because of our unique nature and how we respond to the Word of God. This is an amazing thing that you and Jesus Christ are engaged in school together, and he is committed to tutor you one-on-one, God and you, and you have full access to him 24-7, 365. Graduation is called the resurrection of the dead, the rapture of the church. And until you get there, you're still in school, as we all are. But everyone who ever graduated, like the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, has spent time at the feet of Jesus Christ, becoming like him. It's amazing that Jesus Christ is both the teacher and the curriculum. He's the one teaching us, and he's the one we're studying. Amen. And becoming like him is the goal of the school of the Spirit. Ephesians 3, 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Let me pause to say, this is an amazing prayer of Paul for the Ephesians. Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So that's where we want to be, right? Christ living in us. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Here is the foundational beginning part of you being like Jesus Christ. Are growing in the school of the spirit. As if you're rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus Christ. And a love for other people. The first and great commandment is to love the Lord thy God. By your heart, soul, mind, strength, your whole being. And to love your neighbor as yourself. So isn't it interesting that foundational is the love of God. Amen. Rooted and grounded in love. That's the foundation of growing in God. If you see Jesus as an enemy, as an adversary, you're not going to grow. If you see trials as God trying to trip you up and not help you advance and grow, then you're going to see God is constantly trying to overthrow you and destroy you rather than to save you and make you more like him. Verse 18. Rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, the four-dimensional love of God. In every dimension, the love of God is there. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Growing is what God does in us in the school, uh, the spirit. Two other verses that say the same basic idea. Ephesians 4.13. So we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He is the goal, being like him. And when you grow up day by day, week by week, month by month, you may not be able to tell you're growing, but I can tell you that if you're involved in the process If you're sincere in your walk with God, you will grow. You will become more like Jesus Christ. 
If you allow sin to stay in your life, if you allow unforgiveness to reside in you, if you do not obey the Lord in your life, your growth will be stunted. You may even be kicked out of the class. Well, actually, you'd have to drop out. Under the perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Ephesians 4, 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So when you look at the Bible and you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see who Jesus was, how he conducted himself, you learn about being a Christian. Jesus imparted those words. He said to go in all the world and teach the things that I've commanded you. That's what we teach. That's the curriculum in the school of the Spirit. It's Jesus and it's about Jesus. So the school of the Spirit is not about learning a skill set or even memorizing a body of material. It is really becoming like Christ. It is capturing the spirit of Christ. Do you remember the disciples when they asked Jesus to call down fire from heaven, destroy his enemies, and they were really expecting him to give them a gold star and a passing grade on that quiz. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. For the Son of Man has come to save men's lives, not to destroy men's lives. So in the school of the Spirit, it is becoming like Jesus Christ. He's our master, and he's also our mentor. So let me go back to John 14 and uh, just recap what this chapter is about. I mentioned last week that John 13, 31 is where this begins. It is when Judas leaves the upper room. They've had foot washing, communion. He leaves the room to go to betray the Lord, and Jesus begins to teach. They're a little confused. They're very frustrated. Uh, he's talking about his imminent death. They still don't get it. There's some heaviness about it. And in John 13 and 14, I went back and gave you each of these questions last week that they asked him uh, but Jesus gives the answer to many of these questions. He's going to talk about his departure and his return. But when he leaves, he would send back the comforter, John 14, 26. The comforter, the Holy Ghost. When he comes, he's going to teach you all things. He'll bring all things to your remembrance. And there are some things that Jesus teaches. I went into more detail on this last week. I'm just going to give you a high-level review of, of what the Spirit teaches. First of all, God gives life to his word. You read his word, but you read it with the Spirit living inside of you, and the Spirit illum illuminates the word of God. The letter kills, the Spirit gives light. And then the Lord sheds light on his word. Uh, he reveals these things to us, 1 Corinthians 2 says, by his Spirit. We compare spiritual things with spiritual things. And Paul said the natural man does not receive the things of God. They're foolishness to him. He can't receive them because they are spiritually discerned. Amen. The Bible tells us that God guides us by the Spirit. He guides us into all truth. I'm going to make a point I made last week uh, that a person that has the Holy Ghost doesn't mean they're perfected. We should not expect that. And people who are not 
apostolic who have been around the Bible and around an apostolic culture for a hundred years. They might have received the Holy Ghost in their traditional church at home, wherever they receive the Holy Ghost. Don't expect them to know what you know and be who you are when they just come to God. But if they will walk with God, there's the promise that the Spirit will guide them into all truth. And Jesus said that the Holy Ghost will bring all things to your remembrance. It is a lifetime of walking with God. Romans chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. Talking about going after God. Pursuing the Lord in the school of the Spirit. I'm in the middle of Romans 8. Great chapter on the work of the Spirit in the life of a believer. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So everybody that's reading Romans 8. Theoretically, it's written to churches. Has already received the Holy Ghost. And Paul says that the righteousness of the law on Sunday, Lord willing, if you read my article, I'm going to talk about the righteous and the wicked 74 times mentioned in the Bible. Uh, pretty amazing truth about the, the righteous people and the wicked people of, of our world and what God is doing, a revival of righteousness. But Paul said the righteousness of the law, that Old Testament law, it is fulfilled in us who walk after the flesh, uh, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And here, here's something to understand. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you spend your whole day, your whole week, after the things of the flesh... You will be a carnal person. You will not be like Jesus. You will wonder why you struggle so much. Temptation is real for every human being. But if you're after the flesh, if you're feeding your mind a diet of things that are ungodly, sensual, not like Jesus Christ, you're going to become that. Amen. Amen. To be carnally minded is death. But if you're after the things of the Spirit... We all live in a real world where we just incidentally see a lot more things that we want to see that are not like Jesus Christ. You can't unsee something. You cannot unhear it. You have to overcome it by replacing it with the Word of God. Amen. Amen. You have to continually be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So in the school of the Spirit, we pay attention and we pursue the things of the Spirit. Amen. Now, there's some things about this school. I would call them school rules in a way. Um, but how to, how to really be engaged in the school and grow in God. First of all, you need to be receptive to this spirit. Amen. You need to have an open heart to truth. That when God speaks to you, you receive it and embrace it, not reject it not resist it. Amen. 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 Every teacher in the house and every parent who's a teacher in the house, we've all dealt with stubborn people who do not want to listen. I know you've never said this to your children. Look at me. Listen to me. Right? 
We say in one ear and out the other. It didn't lodge there. Jesus talked about people who were hearers of the word. They just went in one ear and out the other and they never obeyed it. Building your house on the rock or the sand is determined by whether or not you hear and do God's word or only hear. So if you hear something and you know to do that and you don't, you're a really bad student in the school of the spirit. Amen. Uh, as a pastor, before I was a pastor, I've had people come to me to seek counsel. Uh, I'm not a counselor, but I give spiritual and biblical advice. I have a Bible, and it's pretty powerful, and that's, that's what I use. That's the tool, the Holy Ghost, the tools, Holy Ghost, and the Word of God. But, you know, some people have already made up their mind. That's why they change who they go to. They go find someone who will tell them what they want to hear because they didn't like what you said, so they want a second opinion or a third opinion or no opinion. Look in the mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Must be me. Counseling with myself. You have a fool for a counselor. You're counseling only with yourself. Then the multitude of counselors there is safety. Every one of us has vulnerabilities. And we need a friend. The Bible said that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Thank God for someone who loves you enough to tell you the truth. And I'm not talking about me right now. I'm talking about a true friend. It may be me. It might be someone else. I'm just talking about someone who doesn't care what you, how you feel about it, but they care about what happens if you do the wrong thing. Amen. Amen. So that, you could really talk about that a long time, right? I heard a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Somebody's made up their mind. You're kind of wasting your breath. There have been times in the Bible, uh, just not in my notes, so specific, specific doesn't come to mind, where the Lord said, just go on, do that. I already told you once, no. Since you're asking again, go ahead. You don't want to do the right thing, so go get hurt. Go crash and burn. And maybe as Jeremiah 2, maybe verse 18 says, you know, your own backslidings will reprove you. Maybe like Hosea's wife, Gomer, maybe God will hedge your way in thorns and life will hurt so much that it'll drive you back to your spiritual husband. Amen. King Saul was a very stubborn man. And Samuel told him, I want you to wait seven days. And on the seventh day, before the day ended, Saul jumped the gun. He offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And when Samuel came, Saul said, I, I waited as long as I could, and I just forced myself. Force yourself, I mean, what is that? But then Samuel said to him, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Now, how, how is stubbornness like witchcraft? Well, who is, who is the most rebellion being in the world? Lucifer. 
son of the morning, covering cherub in the presence of God in the holy mountain, who said, you know, I know there's God, but I'm going to ascend. I'm, gonna, I'm going to take his place. And he is the original rebel. Amen. He's the divider of homes and relationships. That's just what he does. When Stephen was preaching his sermon, Acts chapter 7, it's a very long sermon. I've thought of this, mentioned this before. If I knew I was getting ready to die, I would preach a very long sermon. Hoping that it would delay death a little bit longer. It's a long sermon. It's recorded in Acts chapter 7. But Stephen goes through, he kind of catalogs the history of Israel. How every time God spoke to them, they rejected his voice. And turned God away. And Stephen tells them in Acts 7, 51, you are stiff-necked and you're uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. You're not forced to do it, but you're choosing to do this. You've received the law at the disposition of angels and you have not kept it. The Bible said when they heard these things, they got so angry that they were cut to the heart, but instead of repenting, they gnashed on him with their teeth. They cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. Can you imagine adults acting like this? We don't want to hear you. They ran on him. and The Bible said they threw him out of the city and they stoned him to death, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, that's a pretty hard sermon. But in the school of the Spirit, there will be times when the Word of God offends you. It will offend you because of your will, because of my will. It will speak something to me that stings. The reason I don't like it is because I don't want to obey it. I don't want to do it. But God loves me enough. He loves you enough to not let you go on your way not being disciplined or chastened. No chastening is pleasant, right? But the Bible said, and I'll use a more modern word, that if you're not chastened of God, you're an illegitimate child. You're not a real child of God. Because whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Thank God for that. Amen. Amen. So, don't let that be you. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. We're in the school of the Spirit. And my subtopic right now is being receptive to the voice of God. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray without ceasing. And every thing give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you. Amen. I like that verse. Quench not the spirit. The word quench here is like to pour water on a fire. Like the fire of the Holy Ghost. And when the Lord is working in your life, don't pour water on it. I've been in churches before where people did not want a demonstrative move of God, a deep move of God. And when God began to move powerfully, they just kind of poured water on it 
to dumb it down and kill the fire of the Holy Ghost. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Hear the word prophesying probably refers more to preaching. Despise not the Lord's speaking to you in a way that will change you. Amen. Jesus, in Matthew 13, the parables of the kingdom of God, talked about people that he tells, talked to them in parables because seeing they see not and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. They don't want to do better. They don't want to do right. And Jesus said their, their heart is wax gross. Their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed. Intentional rejection of the word of God. Everybody say be receptive. Be receptive. Amen. In the Bible, the ignorant and unlearned men of Acts chapter 4 grew in the spirit because they were walking with God and they, they learned. Amen. Acts 4 and 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus and him being the teacher, they became like him. They said this of Jesus. How, how does this man know the letters having never learned? Amen. And Paul told Timothy to study to show thyself approved unto God. So we study the word of God, but we study with the spirit because it is the spirit that gives life on the word. Amen. I am for formal education as long as it does not educate you against God. Amen. Amen. Education beats ignorance every day. But the Bible said there are some people who are willingly ignorant of spiritual things. And professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So as we learn, we don't need to be ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of God. Amen. We want to be people who are in the school of the Spirit. I'm amazed at, in our culture, there are people who are doctors of theology, but believe, teach, and practice things that are abhorrent to God, that are condemned by the Scripture. They condone what the Scriptures condemn. We do not want to be those people. Amen? And the Bible is very clear. Paul said this to Agrippa, that we should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Proverbs 28, 13 tells us that we should come to God. If you cover your sins, you will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes their sins will have mercy. Amen. John 6, 63, just a verse here about God speaking to us in the school of the Spirit. It is a spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Second Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So I, I just want to tell you that if you just walk by, if you see the Bible as a rule book, and you see teaching as something being imposed on you, you will always resist it. But if you let the Holy Ghost speak to you, and you're receptive to God, He will help you. He will guide you into all truth. 
Everybody say, be receptive. Be receptive. Don't, be Don't be stubborn. Amen. Some, some children, by their nature, James Dobson wrote a book, The Strong-Willed Child. And every parent said, that's my kid. Years ago, Errol Jabay wrote a book called The Kingdom of Self. We grow up having somebody take care of every need that we have. That's what, how babies are. They're dependent, totally dependent. But that will that a person is born with is extremely strong from the beginning, some more than others. And the Bible said that, that you've got to kind of train that will. Amen. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. So you've got to be receptive. I want you to be receptive to the word of God. Don't be that spiritual child, that spiritual student that God has to beat every day. That the only way you're going to learn is by a spiritual whipping. Now, some of you parents don't believe in corporal correction, but if you'll read the Bible, it's there. And God believes in correction. He may not physically whip you, but he may allow you to be physically affected so that you'll listen to him. It is a redemptive work. He's not trying to kill you. He's trying to save you. That's why the Bible said, and I know it could be extreme by what this means. You know, don't spare for the crying of your child. He won't die. Spank him. He won't die. That's what the Bible says. So there's beating and there's abuse and there's a lot of abuse in our world that is horrible and wrong. All right. It is time to move on to the second point. And I'm watching my time carefully. Everybody say, be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Have you ever wished you could have a brain transplant from somebody who was really smart? You know, think about this. You can, you can buy a new computer and you can transfer all the data, all the information, all the programs. Get a new phone, just transfers right over. Why can't we just come to church, find a mature saint, let you sit right next to them, wirelessly, all of their Christianity would just come into you, and that's how you would get it. Wouldn't that be awesome? You wouldn't have to go to school at all. You just go put your cap and gown on, be ready for graduation, sit next to the valedictorian of the last class, and just everything they know just automatically be transferred to you. How cool would that be? Amen. Sort of like AI, right? A little artificial intelligence. Just all of automatically, you've got it. But in life, and in the school of the Spirit, there is a word called process. I don't like it always. It is way too slow for me. Way too slow for us. We want to get it now. We want to read a book just by, like, thumbing through the book. Right? That's a process. All right. One of the greatest challenges in the school of the Spirit for us is waiting on the Lord, is going through the process and dealing with myself and how long it takes me to get it. 
you're trying to learn something, the Bible quizzers have the phrase 15 method, right? Read it five times, check it, or quote it five times, check it, phrase 15. And three times you go through that phrase, phrase 15, you five, 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 and you try to memorize it like that. Why, did, why, why doesn't everybody have a photographic memory? Just look at it, bam, it's right there. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you were back to this thing. Now, the Lord uses time, and I'm not talking about a day, sometimes a long time, to test our spirit and our submission to him. And when we get impatient, we jump the gun and make really big mistakes. Like Saul, I referred to. Like Abraham, I referred to, I didn't refer to. Like Abraham, God promises a son to him. Isaac is not born until he's 100 years old. What kind of game is God playing? But millennia later, we look back, and Abraham's 100-year wait doesn't seem like anything to what it produced, Isaac. But Abraham's impatience produced Ishmael. I've already talked to you about Saul, who wouldn't wait seven days to the end of the seventh day until Samuel came. The psalmist, at least ten times in the book of Psalms, the psalmist, and it isn't all David, says, How long, O Lord? How long will you forget me, O Lord? Forever? Psalm 13, 1. How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? How long will you look on, rescue my soul? How long, Lord, will you hide yourself? Forever? That's how the psalmist felt about God who didn't, Jump when he called on him. Amen. Psalm 27, 14 tells us what we have to do. Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Psalm 37 said, and keep his way. Proverbs 20. Wait on the Lord, and he will save you. We love they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So we sing, I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. At least till the end of this song. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. Am I really going to wait on you, Jesus? Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Now, wait a second. God is not in a traffic jam. God is not hung up where he can't get to you. And I know by our human nature, we kind of don't like it, but we're in the school and we're the student, not the teacher. And over and over in the Bible, being patient, waiting, staying in the process is so important in the school of the Spirit. James wrote about people who presumptuously jump into a business deal. They say, well, we're going to go to this town. We're going to buy and sell. We're going to get much gain. And James said, you ought to say, this is James 4.15, if the Lord will. But we're going to wait on you, Jesus, till we have direction. Because when we hear from the Lord, we're going to be able to do what God said, and God will bless it. I'm not going to take the time to go into Acts uh, 17 when Paul is waiting in Athens, but while he's there, 
God speaks to him, and he is just sitting there, but now he preaches in Athens. And I heard a man say one time that a good man's steps are ordered to the Lord, but also are our stops. I know the Bible doesn't say that, but our steps and our stops. Our steps of walking and our stops of waiting on the Lord are all ordered of the Lord, and they are important. That's why Jesus taught you need to ask, seek, and knock. Maybe different dimensions of prayer, like the friend at midnight, is a, is a story told by Jesus about a guy that knocks on the door and his friend says, no, it is a story about prayer. It is like the story of the widow and the unjust judge that he will not listen to her, but Jesus told this parable that men ought always to pray and not faint or not give up. Patience is so important in the school of the Spirit. Amen. Very difficult, right? Final thing. You need to know the voice of the teacher. Is that God's voice? Is that an idea I had? A thought I had? Or is that the voice that came from somewhere else? Not just hell, maybe, but another voice that is not the voice of God. What is the difference between a good idea and the voice of the Spirit? I was taught as a young man that there is a fine line between the voice of God and a strong spiritual desire. Not an evil desire, but even something good. But is that God, or is that me? I want to know the voice of the teacher. With so many voices, we need to learn the voice of the Lord. <clears throat> now, I will not take the time to go through the entire story of Samuel being spoken to by God. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3, but the Bible said he did not know the voice of God. He had never heard that voice before. He didn't know that the Lord was speaking to him, and after four times, the fourth time, he finally learns the voice of God. John chapter 10, verse 3. This is Jesus. He's talking about his followers. He's, and then in the middle of the story about the good shepherd, and to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts them forth, his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now, my message today is not on the voice of God and how to discern it. I've spoken about it not that long ago. But the clearest way I know, know the voice of God is by the Bible. I thank God for dreams and visions and prophecies and tongues and interpretation. But the clearest voice of God is his word. And anytime you, someone tells you something, advises you, counsels you, or anytime you have an idea or you read something or hear something, <clears throat> you should always hold it up to the Bible and make sure that it is aligned to the word of God. Amen. And if you're not sure, go to a mature believer and ask them that they may know the Bible better than you and help you. Before you jump off into a decision that's disastrous. Jesus said they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. For they know not the voice of strangers. It's like a bank teller, right? They don't have to study every counterfeit bill. They just need to know what a real $100 bill looks like and feels like. 
If they know the real, they will reject the counterfeit. There's a lot of strange voices speaking in our world. But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. The context is they follow him. He leads them out. and They will not follow or heed the voice of a stranger. Amen. First John 4 and 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. We're in the school of the spirit. So the devil, he's spiritual too. He knows the Bible. He can misuse it. Try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Even in the gifts of the spirit, we hear that word come of interpretation. But we judge, not the person, but we judge that that aligned to the word of God. Thank God we have people that are tuned to the spirit, spiritually mature, used in the gifts of the spirit. And it could be many, many of us used in the gifts of the spirit. We need that. Amen. Listen to his voice. Revelation chapter 3, the letters to the churches. Jesus is speaking to them and to the church of Laodicea, that church that thinks it's got it all together. At the end of that address and rebuke, Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we'll sup with him and he with me. I'll have fellowship. I'll have a meal with you. I'll sit down and talk to you. I learned about this verse many years ago. That God stands at the door of the church. Stands at the door of my life. And he knocks. <clears throat> this does not say that God has a battering ram. And he's going to knock down the door. This does not say that God... God could do anything, right? Jesus passed three walls. But here, here's the imagery of God coming to you for you to be in the school of the Spirit and listen to him. He is knocking. And the lock or the latch is on the inside. If any man hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in. Think about that. Think about God Almighty, coming to your prayer closet, coming to your car where you're praying, coming to wherever you are, knocking on the door, said, hey, I've got some things I'd like to teach you. And if you'll just be receptive to my voice, be patient to listen. If you'll be, know my voice, I will come in. If you're able, please stand right now. Revelation 3.20. It's almost embarrassing to think that, that God would knock and I would not answer. Amen. There may be times when you feel an urging to pray. Someone said 
that sometimes maybe it, the feeling of depression is a trigger of intercession. You feel a heaviness on you. You feel something happen. You may think of a person, and through my life I've just decided that if I have somebody on my mind, I'm just going to share it with them. And if I'm wrong, I'd rather be wrong and pray for them. I don't think there's any harm done by that than to not reach out to them or to not pray for them. And they needed it or I needed to pray. Amen. God understands your work schedule. He knows all about your life. He knows about your obligations and commitments. I don't think he's going to come cause you to, you know, not be paying attention to something you're supposed to be doing. But in the school of the Spirit, we're really on God's time and not ours. For all the time we give to so many other things. To work and education and the news and media and whatever it is you do with your time and all of us do with our time. We need to make sure that we're enrolled in the school of the Spirit. That we're receptive to God's voice. That we're patient to wait on Him. Amen. And that we know His voice.